0: movie boys yeah okay that's that bit out of the way um <laughs> i
1: noticed that the the enthusiasm for the movie boys <laughs> has sort of petered a little bit
0: yeah yeah i well i mean once you get into sequel territory it gets hard especially when it's a sequel that has nothing to do with the game anymore because Bowl has spun it off into its own universe now but at least and it is just... a
1: sequel to the movie
0: it's a sequel to the movie, uh, but there there isn't really a plot to it, memorable quotes or anything. I can't marry movie boys to anything appropriate. And also, like, after watching In the Name of the King 2, 2 Worlds, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the video game 2 Worlds, by the way. Uwe Boll just thought he'd trick us all. Um, after watching that, I don't want to talk about In the Name of the King 2, two. To be honest, all I want to do right now is watch uh, a recap of Monday Night Raw and eat a baguette. <laughs> That's all I want to do with my day. But instead, we got to talk about In the Name of the King 2-2 two, two World... Every Dolph time Lundgren you say, visits a LARP.
1: Every time you say, in the name of the king, two-two worlds, <laughs> it cracks me up because of the <laughs> number two right after the tutu. number two.
0: Like, it could have been called, in the name of the king,
1: two-two worlds.
0: worlds. <laughs> I like the idea of Dolph Lundgren going to a world where people only wear tutus. Yeah,
1: it's a ballet-themed world. I would... ballet
0: world. Oh, yeah. my God.
1: We've already. I'm Dolph Lundgren. I'm
0: I'm here to save your (laughs) ballet. So that's what I think it would have been better if it had been that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, This is.
1: um... (coughs) Can we talk about Dolph Lundgren for a second?
0: Let's talk about Dolph Lundgren. And then I want to go a little bit reservoir dogs on your asses, a little bit Tarantino on. I'll just say yo asses again. Yo asses. And talk about the ending. Because I, I need to talk about the ending first. Because inevitably I can only guess people get bored of these podcasts. To sort of filter off halfway through. And we don't keep all the listeners. But I need people to know about how this film ends. It needs to be but, uh, addressed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, so Dolph- let's talk about Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. When did he. Okay. I. First of all. I
1: must have just been sort of out of the loop on Dolph for a long time <laughs> because uh, his English has gotten so much better over the years mm-hmm. that like, I could clearly understand everything he said. Yeah, there's a little bit of accent still there, but it's, it's like a Dolph Lundgren I didn't even really recognize.
0: Well, Dolph Lundgren's a Renaissance man. I mean, that's the thing about. I mean, he's a full. He is literally a full blown genius. Well, um, but then. And you, and, and you put him in this movie, right? Yeah. And not you, one of his smartest moves for a man who does boast his qualifications. But but if you're going to demonstrate your acting chops, this
1: is the crew to do that against. Because yeah. I, I was watching it, and uh, Natasia Malth. <laughs> Who we know from Blood Rain Two, and we will know again in Blood, Blood Rain Three.
0: Ugh. Oh, thank the heavens! God, we've got that to look forward to. So happy.
1: There are a few scenes <laughs> where it's just Dolph Lundgren and Natasha Moth. <laughs> and Dolph seems like he should be up for an award by comparison.
0: <laughs> Well, it's not just that, although that's a big part of it. Is not just not just morph. Um, that's that's what I'm gonna call her now. I thought she looked familiar. I thought she looked a bit. Blo- I thought she she had the stink of Blood Rain 2 on her. Um, i I'm, I'm gonna call her by wait. her
1: character name, Doctor Manhattan.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but not just that, like. Uwe Boll, uh, as we've discussed uh, with uh, In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, or whatever the fuck it was called, um, as we discussed in that, Uwe Boll is amazing at bringing out the worst in people. Like, he can bring out the worst in any actor he directs. I mean, Ron Perlman was insufferable in that film. Dreadful. And I've seen Ron Perlman, like, be at least intriguing in shite
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but Lofgren, Lof, um, uh, Ron Pelman can't stand up against Uwe Boll's overwhelming dragging of people down to his level Dolph Lundgren isn't just a physically impressive specimen in terms of acting he has the muscle to raise up the anchor that is Uwe Boll and turn in not a great performance, but he's watchable. He's a perfor- its a
1: performance that you know, just so totally outclasses almost everybody else in the film.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like Lachlan
1: not... Monroe, the guy who plays um, Raven in this.
0: Oh, is that is that? I didn't know who that was. Yeah,
1: he,
0: I and from he's his been... very cheap costume and his face and the fact that they've all got American accents, which is often just. It, it sounds weird, due to pop culture in a fantasy setting. Yeah, um, like he didn't look like a real king, and I know plot points, but I mean, it literally looked like he was at a lab. Um I mean, I just to make a, a, a talk about the costume design briefly. I mean, the crown he's wearing is plastic. I took great care to, because I watch on my computer, so I, I pressed up against the screen, had a good look at the crown, and I'm like, there's not a realistic looking jewel on it. Uh-huh. There are, like, circular protrusions painted red and blue, but it's plasticky, and it's, like, it's spray paint, it's clearly gold paint and plastic jewels that aren't even transparent plastic jewels they're just plastic painted fully opaque red in the middle of his crown <laughs> i could go i could go out now to party city and get a more impressive looking crown maybe not party city amazon i'll, I'll go up a bit like i could get it but like at least 50 bucks. 50 bucks would get me a great-looking crown for uh, a motion picture that would be of this quality. <laughs> With its fucking shaky cam. Just get a stick to prop it on. Oh, that's Get so- a stick to prop it on.
1: That shaky cam in the combat stuff is... I. <sighs> t- oh. It's painful. Even dialogue scenes. And it's not fooling anybody. No. Like, it's okay. Your action sequences are dull. You're not making them better by making them harder to see.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm not fully against Shaky Cam. Uh, in, In certain situations, it can make for an effective atmosphere. In just a bit of dialogue in what should be a fantasy film, I mean, first of all, it's a handheld camera to hide the fact that you don't have any fucking set. There are no roofs in this film. The only time there are roofs are in the modern day bits at Dolph Lundgren's house, which, let me talk about the ending before we do anything. Right. So, Dolph, it's, it, there's some... I, I It's not really time travel. It's, it's more planar travel, I guess, because it's a fantasy world versus a real world. But Dolph Lundgren is... Like, a dojo instructor, obviously. A former Marine, obviously. Who drinks to a dead body, obviously. Um, Yeah, I know that the notes are coming. I I don't want to skip ahead of you, but... But yeah, this is all obvious. He's in the modern day, gets transported to Fantasyland, and we've seen many movies that do this sort of thing. What do you normally do if you have the villain from Fantasyland come into the modern day? They'll, like, seize New York. Uh, They'll get into some sort of, like, funny fish-out-of-water scrapes before the hero catches back up to them. You know, maybe go into a bank and try and make everyone there his loyal subject. Stuff like that. This all just takes place in Dolph Lundgren's house. (laughs) The villain comes to the modern day and... A normal movie would be like, oh, now some shit's gonna go down. Some battling in, you know, Times Square is gonna happen, or some hilarious mix-ups as the villain now finds himself anachronistic. But yeah, let me also just discuss, nobody ever is phased whenever they go from one world to a completely different world in time. Never phased. Uh, and the the, the 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 climactic fight takes place over. First, it starts, I think, in Dolflundgren's kitchen, yep, and ends in sp- Dolph... Yeah, yep. Starts in the kitchen, and ends in the bathroom. Yeah, in the fucking bathroom, in the fucking. That's how your climactic fantasy world meets modern world mashup battle. That's how it ends. Dolph Lundgren drowning someone in his fucking tub.
1: Well, now, but okay. So, and and we'll we'll get into this like in the description a little bit. But yeah, I actually approve. <laughs> do you know? I actually do approve. Yes, I admit it's a lost opportunity for them to send the uh, king into you know modern times and have some wacky misadventures.
0: Yeah, uh, but, but but let's not make any mistakes. That if Overball had the budget and cared. He would have done it the way I described. No, you're right. You're right. Ex- it is that. You know, yes,
1: it is that sort of hokey thing that I would. He expect. wouldn't have
0: just shot it at his like friend's uncle's house. But what I like about
1: this ending is that it means that someone thought about it. Someone put some thought into the ending, because it sets up the finale in the opening five minutes. Like, we get Chekhov's hot tub here.
0: Yeah. yeah That's what did. this is.
1: And so I, <laughs> I kind of approve <laughs> on the basis that someone made a narrative decision and it was carried through to the end. And that person is Michael C. Natchoff. Or, uh, or, or just Michael Natchoff, as he's uh, now credited in places. Uh, Michael C. Natchoff. <laughs> Are we assigning some blame here. Well, I I'm, I'm actually I'm impressed by Michael <laughs> Natchoff here because <coughs> Michael Natchoff uh, has been working in the film industry since about uh, the formula looks like 2006 based on his IMDb. Uh, where okay. he, like he got his start uh, as the visual effects office coordinator for the James Gunn film Slither. Oh, okay. Not bad, right? Not bad, so. He then went on to be the visual effects office coordinator for Dungeon Siege 1.
0: <laughs> a bit of a step-down.
1: Well, a little bit, a little bit. And so in the interim between Name of the King 1 and Name of the King 2, uh, he did a lot of material servicing. <laughs> I am not sure what that means. Ma- Say it again? Material servicing. That's his credit.
0: Okay. Okay. He's and got just five one more time. These. Between if, if 2008 if he could just... and he 2000. did what again for Material five years? Material
1: servicing. He's servicing materials.
0: Right. Right. I don't
1: know what I'm materials imagining... he's servicing.
0: Yeah, like, I'm just imagining like, him sucking off the, the handle of a mop or something. Yeah,
1: like, how he's servicing these materials is beyond me. What materials he's performing these services on, don't know. But you might recognize a few of the movies, or at least two in particular. The 2008 Far Cry film. Oh, no. And the 2009
0: film Rampage. Okay, so... So, so he- I... He, he goes from these Yeah To
1: writing In the name of the King 2 worlds And As we will one day oh, no Blood Rain 3
0: Okay so My theory is <laughs> My theory is that He was visual effects on Slither Did really good at it Or whatever Um did well enough to, I guess... Well, no, he must have fucked up something to end up... Hang on, let me revise. <laughs> hang on. So it does slither, but, I don't know, like, farts in the wrong executive elevator or something.
1: And somebody introduces him to Uwe Ball.
0: Yeah, and then runs away very quickly. And that's how you get rid of people in Hollywood. So goes to goes to Uwe Ball. Visual effects on Dungeon Siege, which I remember Dungeon Siege. Not very good. I mean, don't get me wrong. The replacement on this one really fucks up uh, with its... I can only describe it as a a foam castle. (laughs) They've got a foam castle that's made to look like ancient ruins, even though it's supposed to be contemporary. Why do so many fantasy films do this? Um, but anyway, the replacement was bad. But this guy went on to be the servicing materials. <laughs> so five movies material servicing because fucked up so bad on Dungeon Siege. They were like, "I'm busting you down. I'm busting you back to beat cop. I'm busting you down to material servicing." And it's like, "Oh no, don't make me do that." And they're like, "No, I will." So they do, and he and he does and so five movies of that but I can only imagine that with the drive and ambition and heart that this person shows they service the material so fucking well <laughs> on Uwe Boll's team that he was like you know that I'm gonna give you a shot it's a big league fella and the rest was historically bad <laughs>
1: Uh, he is, uh, I guess, most recently he was working as a visual effects producer for the Van Helsing TV series.
0: Okay, so again, must have must have done something right somewhere. Got off the Uva train and is yep. back on track. He escaped. Um... Maybe maybe it's like purgatory. Like suffered enough <laughs> in the Uva Stratus, and then was called back up. I mean, I mean. Let's be honest. It's it's a sci-fi original. It's
1: not a big step.
0: up. No, no. But it's still up. Yeah. Yeah. He can go on to. He can go from that onto like you know, by the time it's ready, you know, Sharknado Ten. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You know, get onto a reliable sort of one of these Roger Corman lights that are around these days. Get onto a reliable gig with one of those people. You'll you'll make like, you know, a couple of hundred here and there, but it'll be better than working with Uva Boll again and having to listen to his opinions, hearing him say something racist about Jennifer Lopez again. Like, it's bet it's always better than that, and that's what this visual effects designer on Van Helsing for Sci-Fi says every single day. Looking in the mirror, it's better than that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so. Do we want to
1: just talk about it? Yeah, let's just let's move into it. I mean, the, the okay. film's boring. Just yeah, just get that out of the way. The film's boring. Yeah. It's got some moments. It, you can find well, it, humor in, all, in it, I guess.
0: It later ramps up to something interesting, but you're better off finding a YouTube compilation or something. Yeah. Um, you know, there it, there was the rare move. It threatens to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's the rare movie we've watched. Um, you know, I think I think uh, both House of the Dead that's well among them, where they're like, yeah, they're bad. Like not even not even uh, double dragon good. But in the right crowd with enough drinks or what have you, it can be funny with friends. Yeah, Th- these are the types of movies I hate the most because they're not even that. Because they are they are just me like so very mediocre um and and it it does it does almost reach that funny awful at the end but it's so little so late that again worth watching the compilation you'll get to see the funny polystyrene castle in that anyway because eventually the dragon which I must say is not a dragon <laughs> even though they say it is one. By my definition, it's a wyvern. It fucking looks like one, except at some point someone must have said, "Oh shit, we need it to breathe fire." Better call it a dragon, <laughs> because maybe I don't know. Riverball found some like you know, hide like 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 just sort of loitering outside of Hollywood as he often does outside of the studios out there, and then a couple of flameproof suits fell off the back of a truck and he scooped those up. <laughs> and he just had those that day so it was like well now we need the Wyvern to breathe fire it's not a Wyvern anymore we thought we were going to be different but but hey at least we stand out by giving it the face of Godzilla from the 2000's (laughs) Godzilla movie with Matthew or was it late 90's whatever it was the Matthew Broderick Godzilla film from like 98 speaking of that speaking of of that did you watch the Rampage trailer Uh, Yes, with Dwayne the Rock Uh, That doesn't narrow it down That could be anything I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the next fucking season of Game of Thrones Fucking, oh no, here's Victorian Greyjoy Hey, it's me, the Rock Um, (laughs) Yeah, I did see it I did see it Um, I mean I don't know what was wrong with the original premise of Rampage I think it would have been funnier if it was Like, it seems like they're trying to go for an entertaining film. Yeah, it looks Um, like
1: they're trying to make something entertaining. But, man, like, what a lost opportunity with that, you know, the story change that they seem to be making. Because I really do think it could have been a brilliant comedy.
0: I mean absolutely Um, Or if you want to take it serious I mean do it Or or as they're going with this one It seems like sort of serious But heartwarming And you know a couple of laughs And big set pieces But yeah your general family-ish action thing Um, But like the whole thing with Like the only one of the monsters That has a name is George It doesn't seem like Unless at some point There'll be like some tongue-in-cheek reference To Ralph and Lizzie but they name-dropped the gorilla George. And it just looks like they're mostly copying, like, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, basically. Um, it's just a normal gorilla getting big, and then a normal wolf getting big. And I... Yeah, okay. I mean, you've got a set an easy set-piece film, I guess. But what a missed opportunity to have had it as... Three human test subjects getting massive. Oh, you could have so, so much shit comedy up.
1: with the 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 company that developed the the. It was like a originally it was like a beverage additive or something that transformed one of them, and that mm. could have been so funny to do yeah. in market research sh- bits. You'd and... spend
0: the whole movie waiting for the end where they get like they take enough damage in the end fight and turn back to normal and are naked and embarrassed like they are in the game. Like, you'd spend the whole movie waiting for that. We won't see it now because it's a normal gorilla. We ain't gonna turn into a naked man unless they decide to really fucking surprise us.
1: That would be a big shock, actually. Turns
0: out, like, the gorilla was The Rock the whole time, even though The Rock is... It's the The Rock's twin brother, played by The Rock
1: yes yes and he's been he's been living with him as a, an ape all of this time
0: <laughs> uh. oh all right all right but i mean like I, i'll admit 30 foot wolf is original to see yes. tearing down a big city 30 foot werewolf even better though
1: yes Yes, I agree. I, I I want them anthropomorphized.
0: Yeah, like I know you don't want King Kong and go Godzilla exactly, but they don't have to be. And Lizzie like you looks know, still make such a kaiju. It... Yeah, honestly, that's less original than if you'd have just stylized a a Godzilla parody. Yeah. Ugh. It's just a big alligator, but all kaiju. Uh, whatever. Anyway, we've... Oh, God, your summary better be quick after we've just done all that. All right, I hope so. Let's get into Um, it. Um, yeah.
1: The Name of the King 2, 2 Worlds. (laughs) Our film opens with a woman being chased through a forest by assassins while Dolph Lundgren provides voiceover. Uh... Okay, just to stop here again. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's providing voiceover. I never thought I would say those <laughs> words in that sequence.
0: He's a Renaissance man. He can he can perfect anything.
1: It's just he, takes I mean, time. not the
0: film sees in. I mean, things about himself. <laughs> uh, he so- can He is really good on Dolph Lundgren, but he can't you know rescue a sinking ship.
1: He identifies her as Eliana, a sorceress. She eventually is forced to confront her pursuers and she kicks the crap out of them, which is sort of leading me to wonder why she was running in the first place.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah. I'm very confused about the... any enemy combatants in this film who are at once frightening to people yet very easily dispatched... At least until one scene, I think, in the entire movie needs them to be lethal, which just makes the guy who does some heroic sacrifice look like a chump, because he's the only one in the movie who can't take out multitudes of these (laughs) fuckers.
1: So she she keeps running. Dolph's voiceover lets us know that she's coming to rescue him, and she leaves this forest into... Modern-day Vancouver? Vancouver? And who is Dolph? Dolph is a karate instructor named Granger. (laughs) Uh, In his dojo, he demonstrates self-defense against four armed guys to a bunch of kids. Uh, One of the assailants takes the exercise too far, and Dolph has to subdue him. Uh, I guess this is to demonstrate how sort of even-tempered he really is.
0: Yeah, this is to demonstrate that Uwe Boll watched Taken, but didn't want to be seen ripping off Taken, so just makes Dolph Lundgren, Liam Neeson from Taken, but with a plot he pulled out of his ass. Well, wait, basically with the plot of masters of the universe without any of the cool shit from not even that oh my god you're film. right
1: this is the plot to masters of the universe
0: maybe don't maybe maybe granger is he-man he decided to live in the modern world but it's like oh he's pulled back in and it's and then it's actually grayskull but he doesn't know it and well, it's, okay, and, no and there's wonder a secret Dolph ending where it's like Planet of the Apes. Ah,
1: I get it now. I understand why Dolph did a such a great, such great job in this movie. He'd done it before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, one of the... Or, no, it's, it's suggested that these guys in the class are, are in some form of training themselves. They're not just there to show off for the kids. And Dolph has them, to contrib- has them contribute to the dojo. Before he ends the class And he goes home to this modest home In the suburbs Uh, And this is a Boy this is a very very slow Dragged out character establishing Establishing scene
0: Yeah especially for a a character So obvious And And unoriginal That you have seen this character In about 50 films Over the course of an average human life
1: And they dedicate a lot of time and and a lot of business, a lot of scene chewing business that uh, Dolph is doing as he makes his way through this house. And so I'm
0: glad you felt it. I mean, I found it very melodramatic for what was going on. Like it was, again, one of those moments where I felt it would have been easier for Dolph to have just looked at the camera and said, I was in the war and I'm sad about my dead friend.
1: Yeah, and I think I agree with you that it it leads to a point of self-parody where he's sitting at the desk with his whiskey and, you know, holding back a tear. And his pills! His whiskey and his pills, dangerous. But but the pills I like because it really kind of earns that. As he's moving through the house, Dolph Lundgren knows how to play a stiff old man.
0: Yeah, yeah. And... I mean, no, no. I mean, I I liked the pills as well. Actually, like it was, you know, it was an easy character flaw trope thing. But at least it was a bit of effort in establishing, probably Dolph's idea, um, because I can't imagine Uwe coming up with character establishment. Um, but but he, I'm he... just saying, it's irresponsible kids to drink and pills.
1: It's it's interesting because I find that Dolph Lundgren can actually act so long as he's not under any obligation to speak. Because all of this silent moving around the house stuff that he's doing, basically up until he gets to the office and he has to convey an emotion of sadness, he's really good in this particular sequence. It's too long, but I appreciate its length because it gave me the time to appreciate that Dolph Lundgren could actually act.
0: I mean, I appreciate the length of a lot of those scenes that just drag out and say and do nothing because it gave me an opportunity to go back through old photoshops that I'd done and posted on Facebook <laughs> to laugh at my own jokes and works.
1: So he, uh, he, he goes into his house. He notes that it's been another year to nobody in particular. Uh, He's sta- to his dead friend! He takes some pain medication. He starts a bath for himself. Oddly, he puts his toothbrush away before heading into an office. And then this is kind of a strange thing too, because they're, they're establishing his—you know—that he was military, and that implies a certain level of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for—not
0: experience, capability. Uh, like it's—it's it's... routine. Uh, oh, you discipline. You,
1: yeah, a measure you, discipline. Yeah. So, yeah. But as he's leaving the bathroom, he observes that he's left his toothbrush on the shelf instead of in the cup on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And makes a point to put the toothbrush back. Breaks the character for me. He never would have left his toothbrush <laughs> on the shelf. He's a military man.
0: That's true. That's true. They, they're they implying he was a sloppy military man, probably got his friend killed. It's just such an... And that, that's why he drinks to forget.
1: Odd thing for him to do, because you know he had to be directed to do it. Or somebody setting up the set, Left the toothbrush there.
0: <laughs> it was actually Dolph Lundgren himself was just like, I can't abide that. That's going in the cup. <laughs> uh,
1: so he goes to his office, pulls out a bottle of whiskey, drinks to his dead
0: comrades. Uh, yeah. Returns- By the way, the reason why I said that it was he was talking to his dead friend was because when he said 365... Oh, yeah. I already knew he was talking to a dead friend. I was like, I bet at some point they're going to show that he's, like, commemorating some dead fucking friend, probably in the army. And then what do we fucking see? Yep, exactly that. Uh, I, I tell you, actually, the one thing, I, I thought it was going to be, a like, a squad or something. That's the one thing that surprised me, and I felt it was a funny letdown that it was just a photo of two blokes because i was expecting some like he was like a leader of a good big old squad and they'd all like died off or something and then it's just oh oh no it's just one bloke yeah it's like a
1: small special forces unit or something and that's it it's just like these three guys it's
0: weird yeah but the 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 camera like just seems to zoom in on two of them like well the third guy in the picture is him I only remember seeing two people. There's three Maybe people that's in the just photo in the I wide shot, and it attention.
1: zooms in on just two of them later. And those are the two I think that are dead.
0: Right. That's right. Right. Yeah. I th- I I just assumed <laughs> again because the scene dragged on, and I went to look at funny pictures. I just thought one of them was young <laughs> Dolph <definitely laughs> from it from the olden days. So he returns to his bath, only to be attacked from
1: behind by a guy in a hood before he can get in it. Yeah fights off another assassin and retrieves a gun from his nightstand shooting another
0: of the robed figures passing through the hall yeah. and by the way, robed figure is probably the name of the Halloween costume when they <laughs> got it from the party store when they got it from a shop in bulk because the thin the, the paper thin cloth hoods aren't fooling anybody I'm also curious about the ice.
1: I'm also curious about where Dolph hid his gun.
0: <laughs> Again, it was to try and make him a bit like Liam Neeson from Taken. It's like, "Oh, he's so prepared."
1: But I mean, yes, a gun in the nightstand makes sense. It gun yeah. <laughs> in a holster taped to the underside of a drawer in a nightstand that you seemingly have to completely remove to get the gun out <laughs> seems slightly less practical.
0: He doesn't have a license for it. That's the—he's got it hidden. He's—he's he's unlicensed. He shouldn't have one. Well, and I don't
1: know what the gun laws are in regards to pistols in in Canada. You know, like a semi-automatic I mean, yeah. like
0: that. It could be illegal. I mean, who knows? Maybe. But that's the only thing I can think of is he shouldn't be having it if he's got it holstered underneath the drawer instead of just where he can fucking get it. <laughs>
1: Uh, he follows a blood trail downstairs, where he finds a bunch more assassins to kill, and and this Eliana woman that we were introduced in an earlier scene, and she opens a
0: portal in his living room, yeah, for him to throw a bad well, guy through over Bull's friend's uncle's living room. <laughs> she then, well, no,
1: I'm sure, I'm sure it's 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 owned by someone who lived in the vancouver area had a weekend they were going to
0: be out of town airbnb'd it (laughs) i was about to say this was pre-airbnb i bet that's how he does them now though there is location shots i shouldn't laugh i've considered it myself there's an airbnb down by the coast with an amazing backyard to film things in um so i had the idea first uber (laughs) i probably haven't that is probably exactly how he does them now
1: she then drags Dolph through this portal also, saying she doesn't have time to explain, which is true, because she's immediately killed upon arriving on the other side. <laughs> uh, Dolph kills that assassin, but he's soon surrounded by a group of medieval soldiers
0: only distinguishable rescue him from, by the, the from the
1: assassins because they're wearing some form
0: of chainmail. They rescue him from the guy he just killed by firing an arrow into him. That's what I liked about their introduction, is that normally in a normal film, he'd be struggling against one particularly capable assassin who then gets an arrow in the neck or something. In this, he tussles with an assassin, stabs him. He is quite dead. And then an arrow just shoots into him. Like they had a guy ready. Like, they were like, right, we're gonna make our dramatic entrance. Um, he's fighting that assassin. You're gonna take him out, and we're gonna look, like, come in and look all tough. And then he's like, right, what's my mark? He's, he's dead, you fucking idiot. Do it anyway!
1: So, a, a woman in this group of soldiers, and I, I don't know, maybe this is Dr. Manhattan, and I'm just not paying close enough attention. That That's probably right. It's probably the first you know time what? To see her.
0: It honestly doesn't matter. It really doesn't. <laughs> uh, she does.
1: recognizes Eliana as the king's sorceress and says they better get inside the walls before night. So Dolph is put on a cart and dragged to there. And I'm gonna say uh, air quotes fortress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we want to talk about this f- fortress, right? Imagine a high school play. <laughs> And they have built a fort, like a ruined fortress. Because these are fortress ruins, despite them supposedly being a con- quite contemporary fortress. Imagine that. A high school play has constructed fortress ruins with a working gate and everything. And I'm talking in the wealthy district. Oh, yeah. I'm this, talking like. This is definitely yeah. an
1: upper middle class high school production.
0: Sure. Yeah, this is where the people who are, you know, too good for us send their kids.
1: They shelled out for for the styrofoam, and and, and rather than have the kids, like, use um, knives and sandpaper, they got them those cool electrified wire knives to, to yes. cut through. Yeah, and, you know, spray-painted like, and taught them how to do some dry uh, brushing. Yeah.
0: Essentially, essentially, the fortress in... In the Name of the King 2-2 Worlds would look amazing for a lower middle class high school fortress ruin in a play. Right. It would look incredible by those standards. But back to this Hollywood production. <laughs> well, Canadian production. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's with uh, Vancouver and the British Film Institute, which for some reason I remembered whilst my habitual scrolling to the end credits just to see if Uwe have bothered. Well, you yeah, um, got to get them tax credits. That's how yes, these get made. Yes. But, yes, so, again, but back to this British Film Institute production, <laughs> or British Columbia, or whatever. Back to the movie that isn't a fucking high school play. <laughs> uh, as he's semi-conscious,
1: Eliana appears to Dolph and gives him some gibberish about how he was meant to come here and she was meant to die and prophecy yeah. destiny whatever
0: the audience at this point also is semi-conscious
1: yeah it didn't take it does not take much to get us to that point no. either it's real happens real quick uh the king shows up
0: <laughs> yeah now the king who as i said is wearing a plastic crown with painted on jewelry and now you said he is a, he's a guy you've you've seen. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: I've seen him in uh, some TV. Uh, he was in the TV series Lucifer that's airing on Fox, and I like him there. And I've seen him in a few other things. And oh, I mean, actually, this keeps coming up uh, in our Uva Bowl discussions. Um, but you, I noticed that we didn't have any of the old crew here. I mean, we've got Natasha no. uh, from Blood Rain Two, but we don't have our Brendan Fletcher. We don't have, um, what's his name? From Christmas
0: Story. Zach Ward.
1: Zach Ward. We don't have, yeah. but this guy, um, Monroe or, or something is his name. Uh, Lachlan Monroe or something like that. Not really important. Oh, no, Lachlan Monroe. Yeah, he is in Freddy versus Jason with both of them.
0: Oh, so I have seen him in something else. Yeah, he's like a state
1: trooper in that.
0: Right. Here he looks like and, and and at some point in this movie if you ever are forced to watch it for some reason it becomes a lot more entertaining to imagine that a friend of Dolph Lundgren's dragged him to a LARP and Dolph is half-heartedly playing along uh, and and that's I mean honestly that's the level that we're dealing with in terms of co- costuming is again <laughs> Again, for for to call this paste
1: jewelry is too high praise.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say this: there are LARP costuming better than this. Like, I wanted to try and not insult LARPs in any way by saying that this film was like on the level of that. You see some great LARP costumes. Yeah, hell yeah! You know, cosplayers do better than costumers on Uwe Bowl's thing, LARPers do better at costuming and acting <laughs> and plot and set design and, and combat to be honest I would rather watch people like hitting each other with styrofoam swords and shouting numbers at each other than shaky cam bullshit in an Uber Bowl fight scene um, LARPers do it better there's a t-shirt that's already been printed a thousand times I'm sure um, a thousand sounded low yeah. For my sarcasm um, It should have been in the billions <laughs> So when the king shows up he... Yeah, I just Oh yeah, the king, sorry Sorry, I don't want to keep a sidetrack But the king I kept laughing at Because he doesn't Like, I mean, Burt Reynolds in the first one as a king Was funny enough And like you don't ever see Burt Reynolds as a king This guy just looks like he should be called King Chad or, or or King Scott. He's King Some Guy. He's got the face of just some guy and talks like some dude with his plastic crown. He looks like this is the weekend, and during the week he like he fits fireplaces or something. It's like hi, I'm Chad. I'm here to fit your fireplace, tradesman. It's on, on a solid work.
1: He's, uh, he's got a swarthy thing going on. They don't waste <laughs> any... he tries. They waste no time in trying to establish him as the villain, even though it's supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> because the very first thing he does when appearing in a scene is take a knife, slide it across the wound on Dolph's forehead, and lick the blood from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, like he comes across immediately as a very dodgy king Uh, But looks like just, like his name is King Bloke from some dudesville
1: Yes, yes he does Uh, Just the most nondescript
0: King Chad Who at no point is seen in a throne room Nope. Uh, In fact, for the most part in the fantasy world Aside from some tents sometimes, maybe a shed here or there There are no real interior shots because I don't think they had access to any sufficiently medieval fantasy looking interiors. So it's all mostly in forests. One scene is just a park bench that they put near a lake.
1: (laughs) It's funny, but it's true.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they just got a wooden, quite modern looking bench and just shoved it near some disused abandoned park lake. Probably got dead fish in it. Yeah, Here's I the shit you looking like
1: I don't know. The the in, I, they try to narratively justify this by saying that, you know, the 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 king's men have been forced to retreat to this ruined fortress because shit went down. Um, and, oh, I missed that bit. And that's why we're... Yeah. You gotta
0: get used to me not paying attention to films like this because I will miss plot details like that yeah. because I won't be listening. But it's,
1: it's still just, you know, you're, you are correct in reality for the reasons why this is this way.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're narratively hand-waving the fact that they have no interior shots. So at no point does the king even... Even if he was dressed better and didn't look like his name was Chad, even if it was fucking Bert Reynolds again, he's never afforded the I'd... dignity of a king, right? No, no, he's always just hanging around the muddy shit hole. He and and then just walks off to no. There's no. There's not even a big tent, like when you see generals or kings or noblemen out on a battlefield, and they've got the big camp tent. He don't even have a fucking big camp tent. Where's my big camp tent, Conrad? Answer me that.
1: I I could not tell you. Uh, The king seems content to hang out under an awning for the entirety of the (laughs) film.
0: Yeah, just wearing his fucking Halloween costume, king.
1: Uh, so the king explains that it was necessary for his men to beat Dolph senseless in order to protect him from a dark one or something. Uh, and then he explains the mechanics of portals in space time for a bit. And to know. then asks for Dolph's name. Uh, strange order to that, but okay. Dolph gets into a pissing match with the king's guard Allard over his casual tone that he's taking. Mm-hmm. And the king explains that Dolph is here because of a prophecy, in that Eliana opened the portal in order to bring him. Dolph's pretty sure they've got the wrong hombre, but the king orders his men to set him up with a room and have the doctor come around to yeah. see him.
0: And there's a whole, ah, ha, 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 I don't understand you because you are speaking in modern talk. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. I did skip there's over a Granger, call.
0: that's a strange name. It helps get me laid. What is laid? Oh, you mean laying with a woman, ha, ha, ha. Which I don't believe because later on we quite learned that Dolph Lundgren's character of Granger doesn't know what a come on is. <laughs> he doesn't know when he's being flirted with. No. When there's a scene where someone's up for sex and it, it it looks pretty obvious the moment they stepped back into the room, but he doesn't get it until l- long after she's already started undressing. Long after, well, not even long after, just like moments after, but it still took him a moment after she made the crude innuendo, at which point you're supposed to respond with an innuendo of your own, but he just repeats it confused. <laughs> I refuse to believe the name Granger got him laid at all.
1: (coughs) On the way to the, uh, to wherever they're taking him, Allard confronts Dolph. Oh boy, they're going to butt heads, aren't
0: they? Oh, something tells me these cats are not going to get along. Now Dolph checks out his new digs and,
1: and, Ugh. He's the only
0: guy... This is how important Granger is. He's is, is the only guy who has an interior shot. He's the only guy who has a place.
1: I love... I love this scene. I love it so much. I love it because it typifies <laughs> everything that's wrong and amazing about Uva Ball. <laughs> because this scene yes. functions on its own without voiceover. <laughs> Dolph Ludgrid goes in there and he's he's doing the work, right? Yeah. He's observing the things, he's quizzical,
0: he's curious, he's interested. Yeah. But he's, he's also- not freaking out like he should be, by the way. Because no, no. like I said, everyone takes this all very well, always in their stride. Yeah, you know, but he does his military thing of checking his corners. You know, Mm -hmm. he makes sure the
1: room is secured. He does all of these things that establish him as a character who's interested. And there is no reason for him to reflect audibly on this. So they keep him silent. And it's actually a pretty good bit of business that Dolph is doing here. And as I said, voiceover would be unnecessary.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's
1: here. And not only is it here, it is so amazingly bad because of, for two reasons. One, it is not voiceover narration. It's internal monologue. (laughs) Which are two very different things, right?
0: Yes, yes. I mean, it's... You know, the difference between past and present tense. Right. And uh, and those are two things... In certain situations. That
1: you probably... You would probably choose in a film... To do one... Yes. Or the other.
0: It's something you... You have to keep consistent... For the sake of the audience... Unless... You are very deliberately and carefully... Doing something stylistic... And not just... Not knowing what the fuck you're doing or why... Um, this is an example of not knowing what the fuck you're doing and why. And so,
1: okay, so we've established that the acting in the scene is pretty good. The voiceover's not necessary at all. And then no. you get the last piece of the puzzle in that this, this internal monologue dialogue is brilliantly bad. First, he comments on how acid trips don't get this weird. (laughs) Then corrects himself
0: because he's never had an acid trip and wouldn't know. I forgot about that specific denial of his. Uh, now... I, I, I... Yeah, like... It's an odd one because you don't... Because he says it so flatly you don't know if it's supposed to be genuine or a kind of winking denial well either way I'm just going to clear it up
1: for people (laughs) okay it's not that acid trips don't get that weird they just don't get this boring yeah that would be the thing
0: Um, in case anyone's curious
1: he's not a lot of
0: nothing like an acid trip not a lot of quiet, boring dialogue. No, in in out in the woods. At least, it, I mean, it may be out in the woods. Uh, okay, uh, and it, it may be oh, near a high school production set. It may be. Yeah, all of these, but it's never that dull. And, and, and actually,
1: maybe, maybe this is what an acid trip looks like when viewed from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're the guy that drew the short straw,
0: if you're there as lookout support, yeah. If you're the one who's on dry duty, <laughs> again, going back to Dolph Lundgren's friend dragged him to a larp. It's right. Dol- Dolph Lundgren's friend dragged him to a, a Shrimp party, <laughs> and he decided, no, you know, I'll I'll be the the rock. For this one. I'll be the I'll be the bedrock and Yol's do Y'all's thing. And they're just rolling around on the carpet and he's just looking at his watch. <laughs> and honestly, I imagine this film was made similarly with people rolling around on the floor and Dolph wondering when he can go home. Uh
1: we also get a few other character development things in this internal monologue. Like he he has Always this good. strange fixation with health. And and the differences between modern society and and this time period's understanding of health and medicine. Yeah. Like, like he's he's fixated on on the water and how it's probably got E. coli and all of that stuff. And he's like, Oh, I shouldn't drink it. <laughs> that was so weird to me. And then and then he does decide to drink it and says when in robe. And it's like, dude, you're nowhere fucking near robe. <laughs>
0: It's an expert at medicine, shit at uh, geography and history. <laughs> he always flunked those. Uh, and as he's playing with
1: a knife in this tent, a woman emerges from under his bed, co- bed covers ready to service him.
0: Materially or otherwise. <laughs> and this leads to some very curious negotiations. Which hammered the, I think what Overball thought was a joke, on for far too long. Yeah. It didn't need repeating later. Well, okay, I'm going to... Actually, actually, you know what? I'm going to disagree with you there. No, it it does bear repeating because later when the thing happens, it makes it... I took it a certain way, which I will... Talk to you about when we get there I
1: thought it was a kind of a fun comic moment That this sets up Uh, Because this is itself supposed to be a comic moment uh, On some level And it's not that effective at it um, no,
0: it's not not particularly... Again, it, you you will have seen this at least 50 times in movies over the course of your human life. But I
1: do think the joke gets better through context and repetition. See, the, okay. the, the joke here is that he's in this weird place and is being put upon by this woman for sex, and he's really not interested, and she's really just there to serve him, which she expresses, and so see, she suggested, oh, well, if... if if I'm not what's necessary, I can get you a guy if that's what you prefer. And he turns that down because he is, you know, heterosexual man. Um, and then gets, they, they come around to the agreement that, that she'll stay at his bed just for warmth. And Dr. Manhattan comes in and treats him, and then the bed maiden relays the information that she has required about how Dolph doesn't want to have sex with her and doesn't really want to seem to want to have sex with anyone as if she is making some sort of medical diagnosis Uh, like she is she is delivering these, these are symptoms that he's having
0: yeah
1: and I appreciate the attempt at making that joke Okay. It's not good.
0: I think it is made marginally better in this context. Yeah, I mean, marginally it could have been, if, if, if they'd have found a better way of putting that message across. Yeah. Because to me it just read like, oh, they found that idea funny that she is confused that he doesn't want to have sex with her and wouldn't it be funny to automatically assume that he would therefore want to have sex with a boy? I just thought that Uwe Boll would have found that so funny it was worth repeating. Yeah, that and, was my and, and whereas
1: on. I see it as sort of like the idea that he doesn't want to have sex is some sort of a sickness.
0: Which, I mean, again, Uwe, Uwe Boll could just be putting his own opinions in. That could be. Um, so anyway, Dolph
1: lays down to sleep after he's treated, has a dream with two yeah. women, one of whom is Eliana, who we've seen before, the other is someone else that we haven't met yet. Uh, and Eliana thinks Dolph should wake up, so he does to find that the bed
0: maiden's over him with a knife. Yep. Yeah. Now this, this is why I will say it's worth repeating that quote-unquote joke from before. Because now her emphasizing her... her her constantly registering that he wants to have, doesn't want to have sex with with girls or boys makes me feel like she's very prejudiced against Dolph Lundgren living in a sexual lifestyle mm. that's what this then looked like to me and I was just like that gave the film some stakes <laughs> But we're now seeing the political social side of the society of In the Name of the King 2-2 Worlds <laughs> And, and now we're going to have a discussion about, you know, identity and oh, no, she's a cultist.
1: Yeah, she she gets stuck with her knife and <laughs> dies very slowly and says the name of the Holy Mother, um, which might be the first time we hear that.
0: Dolph, is, it wasn't in my house. Dolph is then mine was when I woke up this morning and said, holy mother of fuck, I have to watch this today.
1: Dolph gets brought before the king, and they do some more talking about destiny and prophecy and shite. And the king tells of the last king, Jason Statham. And God, it feels so <laughs> long ago now.
0: And how the king... F- where's, where's Matthew Lillard? I don't recall him dying in the last one. He's just sort of disappeared without any consequence, didn't he? Oh, I can't remember, but I'd like to think he's out there somewhere. Just running around the two. I mean, by this point, he was already... I think he was well back on the Scooby train by this point. He was oh, yeah. long shot of... He'd he'd found his redemption. He'd clawed his way out of purgatory.
1: Uh, the, uh... So the, the kingdom fell to the Dark Ones. They carry a plague in their blood and they're fanatical devotees of the uh, Holy Mother. And Dolph is the chosen one chosen to kill the Holy Mother, which Dolph chooses to do. Cool. But when in Rome... Yeah. Uh, the king tries to supply Dolph up for the trip, but Dolph's not feeling it, saying he'd be better off just with his knife. The king's not here what on an that. idiot!
0: You need food. Yeah. Well,
1: no, <laughs> you can't eat your knife. And and I I think I think that what uh, I think Dolph Ludgrid is solid snake. All on-site yeah. procurement—that's his bag.
0: That's his whole thing. Yeah. That's that's what he's into. I, or, or or he's. I think Overbowl wanted to make a Metal Gear Solid movie at one point, but they were like, fuck no. Oh, could you imagine? Yeah, maybe this was him trying to show them that he could. Maybe this started out as Dolph Lundgren was going to play <laughs> Solid Snake, and then he gave up on that when they were like, no, you will never touch this. Okay, all right. And then right, he broke right, right. it into his In the Name of verse. We,
1: we, we need to visualize this for a second. We need to visualize... Metal Gear Solid.
0: Alright, opening up my mind
1: palace for this. Directed by Uwe Boll. Blah. Starring Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> but, out of respect for the games, mm-hmm. they ADR... Uh. What's his name? He plays Snake. To do all his the dialogue. They dub in...
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, that I would pay to see at the theater. I would absolutely pay to see I that would... in the theater. An overball directed Metal Gear Solid, Dolph Lundgren, and, and David <laughs> <laughs> doing the voice. <laughs> Very good. Very good.
1: Ah, so, uh,. The king's going to send a whole fucking adventuring party with him, I- including Dr. Manhattan. And speaking of Dr. Manhattan, she's snooping around in Dolph's jacket, trying to get into a stash of painkillers, but is humorously defeated by the child safety cap.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, because um, I don't know. Well, we've not really harped on it much because I just guess we're just so fucking over it. But the movie harps on so much about ha-ha, People from this old fantasy world don't understand modern things. Yes,
1: there's a lot of that, and I skip over it. Until
0: the final fight, where the king, you know, the evil bad guy, well, we've already just said he's evil, the the, the villainous king, who is it's supposed to be a surprise, but it's not. Um, When he transports to the modern world and they just need to have a fight... They drop all that. He's he's well happy with his surroundings. Yeah, he's, he's
1: totally not confused. Nobody's ever confused by the place that they mysteriously appear in.
0: Yeah, I think the only way they tried to allude to that was he picked up a torch and tried to bat a Dolph with it. Yeah, And I think in Uwe Boll's head, he was thinking that's not how you use a torch. But in my head, I'm thinking... That's exactly well, how all, you I
1: use was... a torch under the circumstances. Yeah.
0: Yes. I mean, you know, he- I... Heavy duty torches are quite effective bashing objects. Right. Like, they are. And he's not going to know what it is.
1: He's from hundreds of years in the past.
0: Yeah. So he just grabs the first blunt object he saw, but I thought Dolph Lundgren. No, sorry, Uwe Boll. I I reckon Uwe Boll thought he was being clever there. (laughs) But didn't realize that many movies, TV shows um, have shown how effective a flashlight can be as a clubbing weapon.
1: So Dr. Manhattan doesn't want to go on the journey either. But gets a little more interested when Dolph starts telling her about limb reattachment surgery. Yeah, that's hot shit. It's so hot in fact that she then comes oh, me, back wow. into his tent immediately after leaving in order to ride him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he and like I said, he doesn't get it until she is like practically on the bone. Yeah. No,
1: yeah. Yeah. Credit to Uva Ball. There is no, there are no unnecessary breasts exposed for our pleasure.
0: No, no, they're not exposed. They're, they're only exposed for Dolph's pleasure, no, not ours. But yeah, she comes in after leaving and has already got sort of a look in her eye of like, I'm up for a, a bit of it.
1: I'm going to climb Dolph, this tower. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dolph, Dolph hasn't picked up on it. She's... Chatting some shit like the everyone in this film does. They're all chatting shit. He's undoing her top, and Dolph still hasn't picked up on it. She comes to sit next to him, and he's like, "I said something about seeing him fulfilled." With emphasis on oh, no, no, She
1: needs to be, she's not going to that's it. go without uh, being fulfilled. Yeah.
0: if this is my, that's it. I remember the exact line there. Yeah, like something like, if this is my last night, I shan't go unfulfilled. Something like that. And then he's like, unfulfilled? Like, question mark? As she is straddling him. Yeah, and then after a beat is like, oh. <laughs> and then presumably sex. But it's like, like. I've never seen someone who claims to have gotten laid a lot, uh, just on his own name, be so confused about what a come-on is until until he's practically in it. While he's getting
1: laid, uh, we see Holy Mother instructing a dude named Thane to, you know, only him or whatever. It's really just there to be confusing at the moment. Uh, and then Dolph is after sex, and and the doctor saying, oh, "I shouldn't have done that." And
0: the <laughs> Dolph is after sex. <laughs> That's just a great, a great line on its own. The best four words I've ever seen in order. Uh,
1: he's he's then taken to meet a seer, which is the other woman that he had the dream about. And on the way, he tries to have lighthearted banter with the king, with the king's guard uh, with no success. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, again, it's another one of those. Uh, how do you ever get laid? Things with this attitude, if I'm recalling. Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh. I just wrote a better line of dialogue.
1: <laughs> now the, the the seer tells him that he's got three trials to go through, but it's cool. Cause he's already done the first one just by showing up in the medieval times. So one out of Hey, three, done. he
0: literally got a participation trophy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh next, he has to kill the Dark Mother and then find the catalyst, which will lead him to his destiny. And then she talks a lot of derogatory fucking shit about the King's soldiers. <laughs> like about how they're just failures and and worms in the eyes of history and
0: yeah, like Destiny's going to like chew you up and fuck you up and It's some real degradatory, shit that she
1: said. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like she she speaking on behalf of Destiny talks some trash about the King's man the next morning Destiny threw down <laughs> The next morning via via Destiny's flavor flame in the form of this woman. <laughs>
1: The next morning, the king sees the adventuring party off and slips a little something-something to Dr. Manhattan. On the trail, they're attacked by Dark Ones, led by this Thane guy that the holy Mother was talking to. Oh, my God. And shaky cam fighting happens. Oh, yeah.
0: so and Thane, if I recall correctly, again, just looks like some guy. Again, yeah. weekdays contract laborer.
1: Weekends.
0: Works works in the family. I reckon family business. Construction. Yep. But on the weekends he he's Thane like. of
1: the North Realms. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much.
0: It's like I've never I don't think I've seen outside of when we've dug really deep into Amazon's movies when you go too far mm-hmm. and start seeing the almost like the version of Steam Direct for movies. Um, have I seen in a fantasy setting people that just look like some guy, just some bloke dressed up? 4.5 million dollars. Unbefucking leaveable. <laughs> Unbelievable. There are better costumes and better actors for far, far less. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you could get a set. You could get a good set for a million if you not not a whole you know, big Hollywood blockbuster set. You could get a great set for a oh, million. God, yes.
1: A million dollars on set design? Yes. You could do a lot of really cool things with that kind of money. Totally.
0: And he did. It's just a a lot of great things that That subsequently... we're never going to
1: see because <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I won't make allegations that'll get me another potential libel lawsuit, so I'm going to stop. Right. Uh, <laughs> it would have been slanter in this case, though, what I was going to say about Uwe Boll and where he spent his money.
1: So Dolph and crew win their fight, and Dolph is trying to get some intel out of a wounded Dark One, when Allard just kills him, so pissing Dolph right off. See, <laughs> Allard doesn't have... Dolph's uh, considerable understanding of military uh, practice. Completely unnecessary to kill him, but hey, we can't reveal any information too quickly. We've got a uh, lengthy scene then back at the fortress where the king is mixing potions and continuing to be creepy. This scene does not feel out of place at all. It certainly serves a purpose. That's why it's in the film. (laughs) It's there. It's not just because we needed to cut away to something else temporarily to indicate a little passage of time. Uh, nope. As the doctor then tends the wounded from the battle, she asks Dolph to tell her again about future medicine. And then Dolph and Allard patch things up over their disagreement over killing the guy and, and their general tension. And Dolph reveals his suspicion that the Holy Mother wants him alive for some reason because there were opportunities for him to be killed that weren't taken during that fight. And they had exactly the same number of soldiers. Okay.
0: That's math.
1: Sure. It's math, isn't it? Yeah, why not? Uh, the seer, we cut to the seer hanging out in her tree when a dude with a spear shows up and sticks her good. And oh
0: my god, it's the king. What treachery is this? Oh. <gasps> That is some fucked up bullshit, evil king. I mean, a, yeah, nominally a king. A man in a king costume. Nominally
1: evil. Nominally a character. A,
0: yeah. A nominally evil king-ish
1: man. At camp, Dolph continues to lay the charm on Dr. Manhattan with more stories of the future, specifically about antibiotics.
0: Which is so fascinating she falls asleep. Talking about
1: cheese mold. Uh, she does fall asleep on him, and then the camp is awakened in the morning by another attack from Dark Ones. Oh, no. Uh, the king's men are routed to the edge of a steep ridge, and Allard says Dolph and Dr. Manhattan should go on ahead while his dudes stay and die fighting the Dark Ones. Dolph refuses, so Allard just kicks him down the ridge. Classic. We've seen it a thousand times in a thousand Many better times. movies. Heroic sacrifice. Uh, fighting happens with the soldiers. Thane totally guts. Well, the, the um,
0: she follows. Yeah, she Dolph. does
1: follow him down. Yeah, she she hops but down, and she's what I... boy. She's super eager to just jump down into that.
0: <laughs> That's what I found funny. Is she? It's not all that steep. No. Dolph fell because he was kicked down. She just jumps and starts rolling down it when she doesn't even attempt to go down carefully. Like, I know she's in a bit of a hurry, but she could have quickly and carefully gotten down there before the, you know, the enemies arrive, the Dark Ones or what have you. The only thing... Instead, she throws herself, almost breaks her fucking neck.
1: The only thing that's missing from this scene to make it a complete and utter fucking ripoff is Dolph Lundgren, as he's rolling down the side of the uh, ridge... Screaming, as you wish. <laughs> it's the only thing that's missing. Otherwise, it's shot for shot. Uh, yeah, so, fighting happens with the soldiers. Thane totally guts Allard, and so he's dead. And at the base of the ridge, Dolph and Dr. Manhattan collect themselves and briefly mourn their fallen comrades before moving on. <laughs> uh, the king gets information that the seer's been killed. Uh, and he acts surprised and orders that her killer be found. And then walking along a stream, Dr. Manhattan stops and removes a vial from her waist. I'm not joking, by the way. The character's name really is Manhattan. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. not a joke. <laughs> uh, she removes this vial from her waistcoat and plunges it into the water explaining that this was something given to her by the king to consume if she were captured. He's an alchemist. And it was an infectious poison that's neutralized by water. So there you go. She was supposed to, like, if they got captured, she was supposed to consume this, and it would kill her and infect everyone around her.
0: Except, of course, that your mouth's full of water and your body's full of water, and it would be touching water all the way down surely i am surely not, it, being neutralized into neutralized by contact with water that like oh i think sounds maybe, like maybe it's breathed
1: in. I, I don't know i don't know it's stupid uh but uh anyway she this, this is information that he needs because it's relevant.
0: Water is the shittest antidote to a poison ever. It's what I'm nope, trying to I do not drive disagree. At. It's
1: a pretty shit antidote. <laughs> um,
0: oh, no, I've drunk
1: it. I'll just have a glass of water. <laughs> they continue walking, and she
0: instantly trips and
1: injures her leg.
0: <laughs> not even in a dramatic scene not even when she fell off the fucking side of the s- no, she's, slightly she's slightly Ill. bruised
1: but her bones are fine she says in that instance uh, yeah so Dolph leaves her behind telling her to return to the fortress if he's not back in two days and she in return gives him a talisman from around her neck
0: and off he goes with fuck you for leaving me to die here written on basically the underside of it now she takes it quite well. I would say takes it in a stride, but she can't walk. She dies there. Hey-oh.
1: Uh, Dolph Solid snakes it through the woods, providing more internal monologue about how he's sneaking through the woods. <laughs> Not really necessary. Uh, that sequence... The thing is, there is so much of this that's obviously padding for time. Yeah. Because the film is uh, 90 minutes, basically. And
0: and it, it, it struggles to get to that yeah. point to get to, to, to meet the minimum requirements. I mean,
1: this would make a pretty so- like you could cut 30 minutes out of this, I think, pretty safely and have a pretty solid tight little film. Not a good one. No, but
0: tight. Uh, But again, I would say just find like a ten, five to ten minute compilation on YouTube and you will get the most entertainment possible from this film. uh, Yeah, I think that's Blood's literally squeezed from a stone. Uh, Not literally. Yeah. So he uh, comes upon a
1: dark one cooking a meal and kills them for no reason that I can think of other than to remark on his bad cooking.
0: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Stabs
1: guy in the back. Looks in the pot. Par- looks in the pot. Says undercooked. Well, motherfucker, if you gave him like twenty more minutes, says stabbing in the back.
0: I mean, you don't know what his plans were for tonight's supper.
1: <laughs> Although the, the 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 character he kills, uh, who does have some speaking dialogue, indicates that he's not a very good cook, <laughs> and likely to poison himself. So who who can say? Uh, cut back to the king getting updated on the hunt for the Sears killer, and, uh, the king makes a comment in response about villains hiding right where you least expect them, which would make just about anyone think that the person making the comment is a villain.
0: Yeah, like even, unless yeah, like he's trying some reverse psychology. It's,
1: it's one of those deals where you sort of expect the guy standing there to have this sort of, like, odd expression on his face as this is being said and, and then saying, Hang on, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I gotta ask,
0: are you a villain? Because I kind of Darth feel like Vegas you're a villain. could bring people back from the dead. <laughs> he was a Sith Lord and wise. Uh-
1: So, Dolph arrives at the Holy Mother's camp and is impeded in no way by any of the Dark Ones there. He goes to the Holy Mother's tent, and she greets him while Thane sort of subdues him with a club. And the Holy Mother reveals that she was there among those in Dolph's house in the future. And, and she's the robed figure that he shot and followed the blood trail down the stairs. Turns out, Raven released the plague on King Jason Statham's army oh so, so long ago. And Dolph is Jason Statham's lost son, who was taken into the future to be kept safe. And later retrieved as an adult to save the world. <laughs> Fuck this plot. Thane, it turns out, wants some kind of vengeance. And he's been trying to kill Dolph this whole time for his own not-really-clarified reasons.
0: (laughs) Not important, he just showed up as a bit part for the LARP.
1: So, Dolph kills Thane. Um, And then the Holy Mother has a vision in which the plague is released in the future and it's going to kill everybody. So, King Raven is informed that Dolph has reached reached the Holy Mother, but neither of them are dead yet. Uh, And that pisses him off, so he's going to go deal with it himself. Uh, Just a matter of time, really. He could have just waited, because she's dying from the gunshot wound. Uh, She tells Dolph that he could change the future um, and prevent the plague from destroying his world in the future. Um, So, cool. And then she dies leaving him with her second-in-command, Dunyana, who has just appeared out of nowhere, is in this film... Yeah, she's
0: just a character now.
1: Well, she's in this film for all of 10 minutes tops, and that's including like scene changes to other things, like just the grand totality of her appearance in this
0: 90-minute movie is is maybe 10 minutes. Which is a shame because she has the only costume in the film. Yep. It's still not great, but it's the only, it's the only one I can look at and think, with maybe the exception of the King's Guard as well, who also it's got rid of early. Yeah. Where I could look at them and say, okay, that looks like, that looks like a costume that you could see in a, some sort of film. Someone put some effort in there. Yeah, I agree. Uh,
1: but, um, yeah, she's just here and then she, she's going to be gone just as quick. <laughs> so, Uh, the Holy Mother gets burned on a pyre, uh, and Dunyana takes Dolph to the Black Forest, which is where the Catalyst is. Remember, that's the third part of his quest. Um, Having fulfilled killing the Holy Mother, which, technically, he did do. He just had, again, already done it. So, two out of the three steps of his quest were completed. Effectively,
0: you see why he was so good in the military? The efficiency <laughs> with which he completes his jobs. He doesn't even need orders, and he completes it's,
1: them. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Uh, so hes he, they go to the Black Forest to look for the Catalyst. Nobody actually seems to know what the Catalyst is, and Danyana and her people are just supposed to like leave him at the edge and not help beyond that point. So King Raven then gets... An update on this information that the mother is dead and Dolph's in the forest. Uh, he thanks this man for the information and then kills him.
0: I don't understand why. To show that he's bad. Okay. Like
1: to who? to show. You remember who? how? Who is he showing to... that
0: he's bad? Right. You know, in in real movies. When a villain has a "you have failed me moment and kills a minion who has failed them. Right, the The minion in this case failed the king by saying that the would the, the, the black forest was haunted, and he will have nobody believe in ghosts <laughs> on his watch, I assume. Like he is he is such a rational skeptic. He will slash a minion who dares dares bring up the paranormal in his presence. Um, but no it was just to show It was it was one of those scenes that are in films That show a villain killing a subordinate To show how bad they are Except with no real context Because who needs that Let's just show the thing people know from movies well, and, 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 it, and we know <laughs> We know it, it, We know Yeah but he's so bad though <laughs> Dunyana and Dolph
1: arrive at the Black Forest and Dolph decides to make Dunyana his replacement as ruler of the land once he gets the fuck out. Uh, the king and his men arrive also and his soldiers are sent in to retrieve the catalyst. In the forest, Dolph encounters a... a dragon's not the right word. They call it that. You're right, it's really more of a wyvern until it breathes fire.
0: It's got no, f- no four legs. No. It's just got two legs, wings. And 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 like I said, Godzilla's head from the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Yeah, it's
1: as special effects go, particularly okay. special effects in Uva Ball films.
0: Good job. <laughs> I think. But Again, it's the CGI of a level of movies that I get to when I'm really, scraping really Scraping the Amazon bored. barrel, yeah. Yeah, when I'm so desperate for something to laugh at that I'll click on, like, a movie called Krampus, where there's, like, breasts exposed for a pleasure in the first five minutes and then a CGI Krampus at ten. And then I turn it off because that's all there was. Um, yeah, it's on that level. It's I've gone too far into Amazon. Yeah. So where was I? Oh, it is hilarious though. It is. I, I did hilarious. laugh at the shitty. And
1: it's it's well CGI. used for
0: how shitty it is too. Like it, <laughs> I did laugh that it was a constant Deus Ex Machina.
1: And and it's and it has comic beats applied to it also, you know. Like the very first soldier that dragon kills is you know standing there screaming, and it just drops on him. It just flattens him like a cartoon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, that
1: made me laugh. And then you was, can
0: clearly see the other guards that are getting attacked by it. Like how desperately they are just throwing their own heads back. Uh, and the the CGI leg or whatever, or wing or whatever, it's hitting the tail, I think, like, is added in post. And it's just so blatant. Yeah. Blatant miming on the part of the actors, the, the, the men who were there that day. Uh, so
1: Dr. Manhattan shows up to provide a distra- distraction between Dolph and the dragon. Uh, and, uh, and they're reunited. So that's cool. But it's short-lived because they end up surrounded by King Raven's men. They're captured, take it back to the fortress. The king decides... King Raven. Mm
0: -hmm. Like, again, King Raven, you would at least expect him to, like, dress dark and shit. Like, everyone else is dark. At least dress well. Yeah. But again, like, it's a thin fabric, like, one-size-fits-all adult king Halloween costume. (laughs) King Raven. And he just looks like his name is Chad the king decides to kill
1: Dr. Manhattan and Dolph breaks free to save her, but they're still pretty screwed. Suddenly, the dragon shows up, starts kicking all the ass. Uh, Dunyana watches from a distance and realizes, oh, the dragon is the catalyst that they're talking about and lets it do its shit to the fortress you know, until it's satisfied. Once
0: again, this prophecy is really making things easy on people. Yep. Yep. And, uh... Then they charge in to
1: sort of mop up, I guess, at the end. King Raven returns to the enchanted place where Dolph arrived in the past and uses Eliana's bracelet to reopen the portal. Dolph follows him to the future and they do a egg in his kitchen, then up the stairs and into his bathroom where he kills Raven by sticking a vial of the plague into his mouth, breaking it, and then shoving his head underwater in the bath that he never got to take at the beginning of the movie. See, it all comes right back around. <laughs> all full circle. And, 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 and then I think he goes to his office and, and, and has another drink and questions whether or not he's ever going to see Dr. Manhattan again. I tuned out after this.
0: Yeah. Like he honestly just sits down and goes back to normal. Yep. Like, nothing with with a dead man in his bathroom presumably forever now he just sits down has a drink goes back to talking to his dead friends like nothing happened credits and that is in the name of the king Two two worlds god help Holy us fucking hell so Conrad did you like in the name of the king two two worlds or not you know,
1: maybe I've just seen too many Uva Bowl films. And it's, like, affected my brain in some way. I kind of did enjoy this. Oh, oh, dear. Like, I recognize... It is one of those films where you can recognize and acknowledge all of its many, 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 many faults, right? And if I had friends... I would put this on and make people watch it because it, yeah. it is that
0: kind of bad laugh along. Uh, see, I, I would disagree. I found it too dreary. Um, I would personally just recommend a supercut myself.
1: I find the high points are so high <laughs> that, and 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 it is in part like the, the things that are great about it when it 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 does hit those marks. Is what you suffered through to get there. I don't think I don't think the the limited like absurdity enjoyment that you get out of the misappropriation of um, voiceover and the, or the misapplication of voiceover, I should say. Yeah. No. Uh, things like that. I I think you almost have to suffer for your enjoyment a little bit, and and this does that. Uh, but the other thing too is that. I like it because you don't have to pay that much attention which I think is is somewhat key in those sort of social gathering situations. Like it's not something I would put on to like we're going to watch a movie. It's we're going to hang out. I'm going to put this movie on and every once in a while you're going to see something fucking weird.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, I just there's a litany of better ones. Yeah, and I think that's I could, true. I, I would I will be dead before I would burn through enough to consider that worth putting on i i will certainly never watch this again i didn't and as soon as this podcast is posted i'll forget it exists i feel like people tried here like
1: some people involved in this process tried and not just the uva ball you know college try type deal there was there was an effort with the script even though it's bad there was an effort with the special effects, even though they were bad. I admit, no effort whatsoever with the costume and set design. None. None. <laughs> but, uh, and, and again, I appreciated learning that Dolph Lundgren's actually a much better actor than I gave him credit for in the past.
0: He's alright. He's alright. His stuff's alright. Like, he's... Yeah, he's okay. And, 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 um, and if and it I took mean...
1: Natasia, whatever, to demonstrate <laughs> that for me. Because, God, she is so awful.
0: How is she Not so best. bad? I mean, again, like, she might just be regular bad, but contact with Uphabal has dragged her down. Well, I think, we just don't know. I
1: think I didn't recognize how bad of an actress she was before because the thing that I'd seen her before in was Blood Rain 2, in which, I, if I'm remembering correctly, she has like a half a dozen lines of dialogue in. She's the sort of Mad Max figure in that. Right. And so here she has a whole lot more to work with and thereby make feel stiff, wooden, and awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But every time Not the right. two of
1: them are in a scene together, Dolph Lundgren shines. <laughs> Like he carries them all, because someone has this to.
0: This is this is the most damning of the faintest phrase <laughs> that I've ever heard for an actor. <laughs> oh, but well done, Dolph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, film. Yeah. What are we doing next time, Jim? Well, Thanksgiving. Um, I mean, it, it'll be over by the time the next one comes. Yeah, it'll out.
1: be a, it'll be a little late for Thanksgiving.
0: A little late for Thanksgiving, but it's around that time. It's the season of Good Harvest. Um, holidays adjacent stuff. And it's episode 50. Oh, no, it'll, I be, like it'll be 49. Me. 50
1: will be after that. But
0: oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Okay, so it's not Thanksgiving and it's not episode 50, so we're going to do pixels. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I, I do recall us saying that we were going to make that a Thanksgiving tradition.
0: So here we go. The next episode. <laughs> Fuck me. The next episode will be our second rundown of pixels.
1: Technically our third, if you want to count the live stream.
0: Actually, yeah, this will be... Oh, my God. This will be our third rundown of pixels. Okay? <laughs> Fuck me. Okay. Thank you for listening. Um, follow Conrad on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman. All one word. You can listen to us do another podcast together. and uh, That is Fist Shark Mark... Did I say that right? Fist Shark Marketing. Yeah. I don't know why I suddenly thought that was wrong. Fist Shark Marketing uh, at FistShark.com. I'll look it up on iTunes. And that's it. We'll see you next time for... Oh, my God. we see you next time for Pixels. Oh. Bye. Oh.